The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. As we constantly move forward, there is a continuing and urgent need for higher education. It's necessary for tomorrow's future and for a dynamically changing workforce. As the need for education is changing, so is education itself. Welcome to Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education with your host, Dave Goldberg. In this program, we'll discuss the complex changes that are being made to higher education today, and we'll help you stay ahead of tomorrow. If you're a student, educator, or in the workforce. Now, here's Dave Goldberg. Good day and welcome to Big Beacon Radio, Transforming Higher Education. I am Dave Goldberg. I'm your show host. And Big Beacon is a movement to transform higher education at bigbeacon.org. And in every episode, we explore some of the innovators and innovations that are changing the world of higher education all around us. Today, I'm, I'm very excited. We have a, a, a program on the leadership coaching revolution in higher education, and I have three great coaches uh, with us today. We have uh, Bev Jones, uh, Kelly Lewis, and Daryl Nardick, and um, just uh, want to welcome all three of, three of you to the, to the show. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's great to, great to have you on, and... and uh, the listeners can find out more about your backgrounds on the Voice America program page. But, uh, Bev, let's start with you. What are one or two things that our listeners should know about you before we get started? Well, I think I probably have had more careers than most people myself and have always been intrigued by career reinvention and career resilience. And that is very much a theme in my coaching today. Well, and and thanks, Bev, and and I guess uh, you know full disclosure, Bev, you you served as my coach, still serve as my coach, and uh, I can testify to uh, your terrific coaching ability. Uh, Kelly, how about you? What what are one or two things that people ought to know about you? Yeah, um, I would say the the most important thing to know is that I was thirty when I learned how to learn, and I was actually a student in the Georgetown Coaching Program, and. Once I learned how to learn, it, it really changed my leadership and has now changed my coaching. Um, so what's important about that is I come to the conversation with a distinction between learning and education that I think is um, important to call out. For me, learning is a process that I must do for myself, and it helps me um, expand what I see and helps me also expand what I have the capacity to do where education is something that someone does with me or for me, and it's about expanding my knowledge or expanding what I know. Yes, so I think it's I, just important for folks to, to know that that's a, a place that I come from as we enter into the conversation. Yeah, no, and I love the distinction, and it's it's one of the important ones that we need to be having, and, and the distinctions, and it's one of the conversations that we need to be having in, in higher ed. And Daryl, um, uh, what what's a thing or two that folks ought to know about you? 
Well, I think like Bev, I've had multiple careers, and one of my early careers was um, with Apple in technology when I worked with colleges and universities throughout the nation. And what got me extremely interested was watching people change in terms of their relationship with how they use the technology. And I've actually brought that into my coaching because I think that many people back then kind of shifted their identity in developing this relationship. And so um, for me, one of the themes that seems to reoccur as I work with leaders, academic leaders throughout the nation, is their relationship and how they've built their relationship with others through technology and the impact that has had. Yeah, that's, that's such an interesting perspective. And usually we think of technology as something that teaches directly, but the, the relationship aspects are something that seems really important as part of this conversation. Now, on, on Big Beacon Radio, one of the things we're, we're big on is uh, education as an unleashing experience. And I guess I'm, um, and I think of, when I think of coaching, I think of it as in, in certain ways, an unleashing or perhaps the unleashing profession. And so I'm uh, wondering if um, there's a sense in which uh, the three of you find that being a coach helps you unleash yourself and others. Let's uh, let's go in reverse order. Daryl, maybe you could start this one. Okay. Um, in terms of myself, when I was a kid, my parents and up through graduate school, everyone always told me I asked way too many questions and way too curious. So coaching is a perfect place to channel that really innate curiosity, a a, a curiosity yet focused with intention and in a safe place. And so for me, it's allowed a really interesting, intentional unleashing, unleashing of that skill. For my clients, it gives them a safe place to be vulnerable and notice themselves in ways that oftentimes they have not had the opportunity to do that. It's actually interesting. I was just, I had uh, three visitors from Japan this morning and we were just talking about curiosity and the ways they're studying serial innovators in Japan and one of the characteristics is this curiosity and and, uh, in a culture that's more homogeneous like Japan, this curiosity is an odd thing and so it seems like that's a really important um, point. Kelly, how about you? Um, in what sense uh, um, do you find that coaching helps you unleash yourself and others? Yeah, I think similar to Daryl, the um, thinking about the right conditions or the conditions necessary for both myself and others to grow. Um, safety, the, the sweet spot, spot between safety and challenge um, seems to be that condition for both me and the clients that I have the privilege of working with and I would say for from a coaching standpoint when those conditions are true it allows me to challenge myself and others from a place of um, kind of no expectation but from a place of curiosity of what's possible and and what else is there not a need to prove or a need to um, force but a, a need to kind of expand um, and then this balance between the safety of knowing that it's okay to be right where I am simultaneously. And I find that every time I experience that, um, I naturally grow, as do the folks that I work with. Yeah. And Bev, how about you? 
Well, I think we all have a tendency to see ourselves on a path or um, limited by some kind of linear track. And in coaching, I often like to ask, what if you weren't on that path? Mm -hmm. Or what if that barrier weren't there? What would you do then? What would your plan B be that might resonate with you, Dave? And I ask myself that all the time. What would I do here if I weren't afraid? What would I do here if this weren't so out of my um, area of strength? I I think asking what the alternatives might be in a way that's not threatening is is unleashing. Yeah. And and yes, of course... uh I've written about this in a whole new engineer that uh, you're questioning me about what my plan B might be has led to my leaving the university and and now doing Big Beacon Radio. So there's a sense in which that's that's uh, very, very powerful. And I've experienced that unleashing personally. So so the word coach is used by a lot of people in a lot of contexts. It's about athletics. It's about, uh, you know, just about any business consultant these days calls themselves a coach but you know we were trained um as coaches in a in a with a particular body of knowledge and practice and so what um um you know what is coaching um maybe uh, kelly you kick this one off and the others just chime in as 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 we move around this what is what is coaching in the sense that we're talking about today yeah i describe coaching um as a as a process of discovery that improves one's ability to create whatever outcome it is that they are um, wanting or possibly don't even know yet that they want to create. And in that process, it includes both the outcome and the person themselves and kind of all aspects of that person, the the emotional aspects, the um, cognitive aspects, the physical aspects, and even the spiritual aspects. And I think to piggyback on something Bev just said, what coaching um, is not, for me, it's, it's not linear or black or white or um, even easy. I find that coaching is fluid and nuanced and in some ways uncomfortable, um, but typically inspiring and um, always expansive. Yeah, this linear sense. I mean, people oftentimes come to coaching. I came to coaching wanting advice and wanting to know the path. And and uh, and I think you know we all agree it's 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 not that. But but what else is it? I mean, it is it is kind of a kind of elusive. Um, uh, Daryl, do you want to take a yeah, crack? Um, I, I definitely agree with Kelly about the the process of discovery. You know, in the most basic sense, and I've struggled with the definition, in the most basic sense, I see coaching as working in the gap because people come to us generally for a presenting reason, whether it's whatever it is. They want a promotion. They want to leave their position. There's a general feeling that something is not working. So they're here and they want to be there. And so the coaches work in the gap, but it's in that gap where that magic occurs, where the inquiry occurs, and where people are able um, to excavate parts of themselves that perhaps might have been inaccessible to them before. We can their, their beliefs that have been so wired for so many years can be challenged, and they can shift their lens. Um, yeah. And that's where the possibilities are created. And then the beauty of the coaching is that it's not just the creation of possibilities, but it's actually the fruition in, 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 in the development of the results they want. So it's that gap where that, that, that process occurs. 
Yeah, so what you were just uh, saying, Daryl, so interesting. I, I think of the central, and, the, and this comes out in the training too, I think, but the central piece of what coaches bring to the table is this noticing, or I think of coaches as an, an awareness amplifier. This idea that, you know, so people kind of go through their lives and they're in a story and the first job of a coach is to notice that there's this set of ex- expectations and, and regular things that are happening that could be different. Um, and to just sort of call that out and say, hey, I'm noticing that your life is kind of like this is, and, and, uh, and asking kind of tough open-ended questions around whether that's what the person wants. I use the acronym NLQ, noticing, listening, and questioning. So when you get down to tangible practices, coaching is oftentimes involved engaging the person in, in that way. And as, and as a number of people said, it can be pretty disconcerting. Bev, do you want to chime in on this one? One of the things that makes it less disconcerting than it might be coaching is that it involves a partnership. The coach and client work in partnership to explore things. And so it's a, it's a safe place to look at the future, look at alternatives. And that, that, that safety and that sense that um, you're looking at something together Together makes it possible to go much further than we might go in our own heads by ourselves. Now, this is, you know, and I, and I, you know, the safety, I think, you know, part of that comes from n- not being judged, and there's no right answer to mm-hmm. what the, the, to the presenting problem. The, the, the coach doesn't know what the client should do. The coach can ask questions around it. Um, but it's, it's, uh, it's, the process is a bit mysterious, but there's a sense of of trusting the the client um, that is very strong in coaching. Um, we're going to need to take a little break, and we're going to come back and and pursue a little bit more of about what coaching is um, is and isn't. This is Big Beacon Radio with our uh, special guest uh, panelist of uh, coaches, Bev Jones, Kelly Lewis, and Daryl Nardick. Um, the next segment, we'll come back and dig into what coaching is a little bit more. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Do you want greater success in bringing change to your university, college, department, or classroom? Are you looking for a keynote speaker to inspire your organization with stories of transformative change? Would you like to boost your own academic, business, or technical career? Let David E. Goldberg of 3Joy Associates help. David is a leading speaker, author, trainer, and leadership coach with experience in helping bring successful change to educational organizations and education and technical careers around the globe. To learn more, call Dave Goldberg at 217-621-2645. Contact him at deg at 3joy.com or browse the 3Joy website, www.3joy.com today. Tune in to the soul of enterprise, business in the knowledge economy with co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Klass. Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. 
The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Big Beacon Radio. If you'd like to call into the program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to deg at bigbeacon.org. Now, back to this week's show. So welcome back to Big Beacon Radio with uh, your host, Dave Goldberg, and our guests, uh, Bev Jones, Kelly Lewis, uh, Daryl Nardick, uh, great coaches all. And uh, we urge you to get a copy of the book that is Transforming Higher Education, A Whole New Engineer, The Coming Revolution in Engineering Education at www.wholenewengineer.org. So in the last segment, we were sort of talking about what you know, what coaching is and isn't. And one of the things... Um, that coaching isn't is uh, is it's it's not therapy, and so in 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 what ways is coaching um, different from therapy? Uh, Daryl, maybe you take a shot at this one. Yeah, um, just I'll take a shot and please weigh in. One of the key ways is that um, people we're not in the sense of coaching trained psychologists. So oftentimes people have. Um, deep-rooted issues um, based on their past, based on patterns, based on family dynamics, that why coaching needs, coaching looks at the whole person, it's, it's critical to see the whole person, those kind of issues are, are, are served by a trained psychologist who really understands psychodynamics and um, the methodologies and theories of psychological processes, which is not what coaching is. We deal with present I like to think of it that we deal with present and future. And psychotherapy or therapy often gets into um, really digging through the past to see what has transpired so the person to bring the person where they are today. And that's not and we don't deal with that. Yeah, and I, I think that's a, a nice way to say it. Now, I, I I never think of there being topics that are that are strictly off limits. If somebody has a mommy or daddy story that they need to talk about because it's, it's, it's not helping that story is not helping them in the present and it's affecting their work performance or, or something that is the subject of coaching, then, then we can have a conversation, but we're not trying to, we're not trying to resolve that and we're not trained to talk about it. We're not trained to diagnose it as, as, as anything, but we're, we're just folks having a conversation about, about obstacles. And it seems to me that, 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 uh, that, that you've really nailed, um, the distinction, uh, I guess one of the things that's um, that's sort of interesting and interesting in the context of this program is that coaching has basically, over the last ten, twenty years, exploded in the private sector, in the governmental sector, uh, in lots of areas, um, but to a lesser extent in 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 higher education. And I guess I'm, what what is it that has made uh, uh, coaching such a a growth business uh, in in those domains? Um, who wants to take a crack at that? This is Bev. I, I think that one of the things that 
happened and those and and say businesses our government for years there were programs of leadership development and uh, succession planning and lots of in-house activity um, as the nature of organizations has changed those programs have faded away but the need was still there yes. the need had already been recognized and so um, as the organization started to look around and outsource they were open to different kind of approaches and Coaching is one of the approaches that they explored, and it worked really well. But yeah. it was the fact that they'd already recognized the need and had neglected it for a while. Well, and that's an interesting distinction because, you know, that's one of the things that's actually not the case in higher education. Higher mm-hmm. education, there's very, very little emphasis on organizational, you know, try to find an organizational development uh, um, department inside of uh, inside of say a, a university, and there there are a couple of them, but not it's not a regular thing. So I guess I'm wondering, you know, what are the, you know, what are the drivers drivers now? Um, why it it does seem that coaching is starting to get some traction uh, in in higher ed, and um, you know, what is it? Why now? It's like so we've it, it hasn't been inside of uh, in the academy uh, forever. Why why is coaching getting some traction now? Uh, this is Dave, this is Kelly. I, I wonder about, um, similar to, to business, that the landscape of business became so, and still is, I think, so um, uncertain and unstable, and it required organizations to look for a different resource or in, in a different tool um, that helped also not only drive new awareness and action like we've been talking about, but greater accountability. Yes. And I wonder if with all the, you know, the massive change that's going on in, in education, both from a, um, what's available, just options that are available to students today, the way that uh, students are thinking about education today, that ha- not actually educating themselves is even an option. Yes. I think it's, it's requiring us to rethink and to create a new um, a new vision for what's possible and a realization of, you know, and perhaps a dissatisfaction with the current reality. Yeah. And to Daryl's point earlier, coaches do work the gap between here and there. Um, so I think it's a natural and fairly logical response to um, to what seems to be occurring. Yeah, so we've got, I mean, there's so many forces. We've got the rise of the for-profit universities. We've got MOOCs. We've got uh, the massive open online courses. We've got uh, Peter Thiel giving scholarships to kids to not go to college. So there's there's a lot of turmoil, and and I think uh, and, and and we've had conversations with leaders uh, that the, the landscape is so changing and dynamic. It, you know, we used to call these people administrators, and uh, administrators make yesterday happen tomorrow. But it seems like there's a lot of uh, pressure on on academic leaders and faculty to to adapt to this brave new world. Uh, Daryl, you were going to jump in. What What do you um, think? I was just, um, thanks, Dave. I was going to say, leveraging off what um, what Bev said, and also what Kelly. Uh, the accountability issue is a huge issue today in higher education. I mean, the No Child Left Behind in K-12 has permeated higher education with legislation in terms of making pending le- legislation to, um, to quote-unquote, force higher education to be more accountable in terms of outcomes. So I think that's a huge issue. And I think along with that comes that 
It used to be that higher education leaders always got promoted from within, but what we're finding, we're finding more high-level academic leaders coming from the business sector. So you're seeing presidents, you're seeing VPs, you're seeing vice provosts coming in from the business sector. So So they're bringing in that sensibility in terms of leadership development into the academy. I think the other thing that's happened is that so much of organizational development in higher ed has been on the staff level. When you talk to HR and you look at the programs they offer, they offer management training, they offer leadership development, but it's for the staff. And we're seeing some of that shifting. And there are programs nationwide where they're, they're recognizing that, that in order for their as, as people are promoted, in order for people to be successful, they need to have some of the skills that have been offered in some respect on the staff, staff level. So there's a number of forces being, um, occurring today, I think, that's, that's causing this shift. Yeah, I remember somebody told me once uh, that, uh, that uh, the last bastions of amateurism were uh, child rearing and academic leadership, um, and and so there's a sense that you know we would take a faculty member and turn him or her into a department head, uh, and and somebody would give them um, a list of the rules and statutes to follow and and forms to fill out, and that that was that was the leadership training for an academic administrator, and and. That's that's proving to be inadequate. Your point about the transfer of people uh, being hired into these positions from the outside is interesting, and that that's a sort of an outside cultural um, cultural influence. I also think there's this deeper sense that being an academic is is largely an individual pursuit, and a lot of a, uh, the organization is more important to the future of higher education than it's been. We used to have this assembly of experts that worked pretty well, and it's it's kind of not working well. And when we actually do, we actually need leaders that can actually lead and and uh, and and get their organizations to change fairly fairly radically. And and uh, but we don't have the apparatus, but we have these individuals, and so we kind of bring them in in a way that is. Um, uh, safe. They can work with a coach, and and they don't have to sort of reveal all that they don't don't know. Bev, do you want to chime in on this one? Well, I think um, you're right that we're working with indiv- for individuals. It creates a safe spot. But the thought that was going through my head as you were speaking, Dave, is that yeah. uh, a difference I see in my own practice between, say, government, where I'm likely to be brought in at a pretty senior level and maybe I'll be assigned three or four leaders in a big organization and it's, and it's done on an organizational basis. In higher ed, what tends to happen is I hear from the individual mm. who is looking for help. Perhaps this is a new dean who recognizes that she's got to lead change. She's never learned how to do it, but she's gone to somebody and gotten approval to have a little um, development money, and she goes out and she hires her own coach. I think individuals who are oriented toward learning are turning to coaching for a safe place to learn how to be leaders in a very different kind of um, organization. I don't... At least in my practice, I haven't seen the 
um, the same kind of big programs that I'm seeing in government or in corporate life. Yes, that's really interesting. And I guess I'm curious, Bev, you know, so you've, and you've got this, uh, this um, different kinds of practices. In what ways are the presenting issues, you know, without divulging any uh, uh, confidences, in what ways are the, the uh, presenting issues uh, similar or different from, say, corporate or governmental uh, uh, clients? Some of the issues are the same. I'm, I'm, I'm bogged down. I can't go any further here. You know those kind of questions. Yeah. But I think that in higher education, there is much more of a sense that the world is changing totally. This isn't what I signed up for. Yeah. But I want to be a part of what has to be reinvented. It's a much more of a free-for-all, I think, that leaders are facing in higher education. Sometimes that's pretty good and exciting, but um, it creates a, um, a, a different kind of discussion. Yeah, so that, yeah, I, think that's, I, I, I think that's a really uh, nice way to uh, summarize it. And I think, I think we want to come back and uh, revisit uh, uh, this after, after the the break and also talk a, a little bit about the ways in which the ideas and practices of coaching may be part of this educational transformation that's uh, that's going on. This is Big Beacon Radio with our special panel of uh, coaching guests, Bev Jones, Kelly Lewis, and Daryl Nardick. And in the next segment, we want to explore coaching further and, and, and dig into some of the ideas and practices of coaching and how they're actually going to possibly tr- help transform education itself. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Do you want greater success in bringing change to your university, college, department, or classroom? Are you looking for a keynote speaker to inspire your organization with stories of transformative change? Would you like to boost your own academic, business, or technical career? Let David E. Goldberg of Three Joy Associates help. David is a leading speaker, author, trainer, and leadership coach with experience in helping bring successful change to educational organizations and education and technical careers around the globe. To learn more, call Dave Goldberg at 217-621-2645. Contact him at deg at 3joy.com or browse the 3Joy website, www.3joy.com today. Biz Locker Radio is a high-energy business show that features compelling conversations and cutting-edge business content that you can use to improve your performance today. Hosted by Kelly Riggs and presented by the Business Locker Room, Biz Locker Radio features dynamic thought leaders from sales, marketing, leadership, business strategy, social media, and more. If you're in business, you need an edge. Develop that edge with Biz Locker Radio. Tune in every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, and 3 p.m. Central on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information, visit bizlockerradio.com. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. are listening to Big Beacon Radio. If you'd like to call into the program today, 
please call 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to deg at bigbeacon.org. Now, back to this week's show. So welcome back to Big Beacon Radio with Dave Goldberg and our Special guests, Bev Jones, Kelly Lewis, and Daryl Nardick, coaches all. And, and um, so get the coaching and deep faculty development you need to help transform higher education at www.3joy.com. And, uh, and we will take your calls. We're live today. And so uh, if you want to call in, uh, give a call at 866-472-5790 to engage in this interesting conversation on, on coaching. I, I want to go back and, and spend a little bit more time on uh, what is it that, that uh, coaching clients in higher ed get. We started that, but you know, what in, um, uh, you know, in what ways are the presenting issues uh, similar um, or, or different uh, in, in higher education, say, from governmental or private sector clients. Daryl, do you want to take a shot at that? Yeah, I find, I mean, I do most of my coaching, I have to say, in higher ed. Um, and some of the, and, and when I've done coaching and others, like Bev, the issues are pretty similar. Yeah. Um, and again, like Bev, what I'm finding, too, it's individual versus um, pro- programmatic or division. But one of the primary issues I find that surfaces, especially in higher ed, is the issue of confidence. Mm. Because, you know, we've got these experts that if they're, they've developed an expertise in a particular field, and they're then put in a position, oftentimes when, um, when they move from faculty to chair, or even chair to assistant dean, as we talked earlier, with no training. And so what I'm finding a lot is that um, it's a development of confidence to try something new and not know how to do it. And, to t- and I had one particular client, this woman, an, a chair who'd been chair for a long time, who had a very adversarial department. And what she found was that she took a very command and control approach. And when she, she started working on what it would be like to approach something from inquiry and mm. more empathy in terms of her colleagues, and took very, very baby steps in doing this, then she morphed and her relationships morphed and some of the conflicts that she had been dealing with um, subsided. So yes. confidence in whatever area you're, you're fo- focused in seems to be um, a pretty strong theme. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, and I agree with you. I think that that that's a central. It's a central issue. I I often frame it as in, as a form of academic imposter syndrome. So okay, so I'm 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 a trained expert in in left-handed uh, computational dynamics, and now I I'm I'm asked to do this other thing, at, which I have no training in, and uh, and yet I'm supposed to be competent and capable and and confident, as you say, and and. Uh, it just seemed, and I, but I don't think it's isolated for academic leaders. I think there's a strong sense among many faculty, this assembly of experts and the sense of knowing versus not knowing is, is, is a really big theme in the, in the academy, possibly more than in, in other sectors. I, if I could yeah. just chime in again, I, I definitely think that's the case. And I think it's also people's perception of how they are perceived. 
yes. that they've been an expert all along, and now they're not, and they're expected to be an expert by their colleagues. So you've got this internal perspective, and then you've got the external. Nice. Anyone else want to jump, jump in on this? Following up on that, sorry, I, if I could, if I could add to that, um, I do think there's a lot of parallels with what Daryl just um, articulated in business. And, and one of the things that I noticed as it relates to this confidence um, and certainty and uncertainty is that leaders are having to almost shift where their confidence comes from. And for much of their careers, their confidence has come from their competence and their, um, their knowing, right, especially if they get promoted up within an organization of knowing how to do a task, knowing how to do the job, knowing how to do the job of the people that they now lead, to finding confidence in other aspects of themselves that, that, doesn't necessarily, that they might not yet be competent at. Yes. And I think in in order to do that, it takes a lot of courage. So I think the other theme um, that I'm seeing is developing a greater sense of courage in trusting and trying and even you know, speaking one's truth, which might be, I don't know how to do this yet, yeah. in a different way has become really important, I mean, both in business and in higher education. Beth? You know, I, I think that courage is really um, a, a critical thing to mention. In in the old academy, um, credentials meant so much, and um, kind of history of learning meant so much. And now to navigate, it requires taking leaps into the unknown and being willing to to look incompetent or um, yeah. uncertain, and part of what coaching can do is have you help you to notice your fear and then come up with a plan for going forward anyway. Yes. And I, as, as, um, as people were talking, I was thinking about our, our work together, Bev, and, and I remember one of the exercises that you gave me was to have my quota of saying, I don't know, three <laughs> times a day. And I still do that myself, and I actually share that with others. And I think it's central to the, you know, the shift from the expertise of knowing and, and mastering your discipline at a very high level and the other things that that we're asking academic leaders and faculty to do, not being comfortable with not knowing is important for the individual as a leader, but it's also important uh, for the individual as a teacher to help young people um, master their own learning as, um, as Kelly was alluding to at the beginning. It's also so liberating. It's so freeing for someone to say, and not only say, but embody concept of it that I don't know because it opens up creativity it open up it opens up it opens up so many different areas of learning that were unavailable before yeah so this is so okay so the sense of knowing versus not knowing um, um, developing confidence you know what else you know what uh, you know what else is different or similar about uh, higher ed coaching say from private sector governmental coaching I think one of the things in higher ed sometimes is that um, we've got these multiple cultures, and some of them are very non-hierarchical. Mm. So people are put in a position, quote-unquote, of leadership, of leading their peers uh, without the distinction of actually 
being in charge of them. You've got this autonomous faculty, some with tenure, some with not. So you've got the, and, and, and then you've got the added of peer review issues as well. Yeah. Uh, um, so culturally, there's some distinctions, I think, and Kelly and Bev um, push back if I'm off on this, that don't quite reside in the business and the governmental sector. That I think has been the case, but what's one of the things that's so interesting about um, big companies, complex institutions of all kinds is uh, getting away from traditional hierarchies and creating task force that cut across lines or you know even national borders um, that collaborative approach to problem solving and project management is more like um, traditional university life. And I think that the looking at how particularly companies are doing it might provide a guidance for um, how departments can do it within a university. Yes, I think that's that's really interesting point too. In the sense of collaboration, you know, one of the things that is in our in the coaching toolkit is a work on the speech acts of requests and commitments. And universities are almost universally request and commitment free zones. It's not you're not a good faculty member unless you can ignore what your department head asks you to do for a pretty darn long time, or even even forget about it completely. There's there's really for a tenured faculty member, there's almost no punishment for so doing. But as we move to to a more collaborative university, requests and commitments become that much more important and, and that whole notion of teamwork and working with others that has sort of not been a part of the landscape becomes, becomes um, bigger. Yeah, which makes me then think, think Dave, um, you know, to the question of similarities and differences. I, I don't know this to be true, but I wonder if one of the things that might be a similarity kind of at the core is, is a question of trust. Um, because I think when there is clear, when there's clear coordination and clear commitments and clear promises and, and those things are, um, are heard and are acknowledged and they're either accepted or declined, it naturally increases trust across two people, across a team of people, across an organization of people. Um, and when those things are more implicit and are then perhaps broken, that can erode trust. So I, I wonder at the core of both the you know, higher ed organization and the business or government organization if there is the work and the question of trust. We've got a couple minutes to break. Uh, what else should be said about trust? Great point. I've always thought trust is the crux of the gist of how an organization functions. Um, I totally agree with Kelly. Um, and if you, if you look at the distinctions of trust, what really makes trust, you know, sincerity and care and competency and reliability, you, you can work with people on cultivating that trust, but you've got to dig in. Um, and it gets back to what's a functional team and what's not a functional team. And teams that aren't functional, that don't perform, that aren't successful, oftentimes have some erosion of trust. So I, I totally agree. Beth, do you want to have well, the last Beth, word this segment? I, I think that great teachers trust their students. And great leaders trust their teams. And the, the, the best of teaching 
within a university might be part of what informs the new kind of leadership within a university, and, and that is trusting. Great point. Beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. So um, we'll come back. Um, I want to push on trust just a little bit more because I, I thought the point that Bev just raised was really a central one to both the leadership side and the educational missions of the of the university. This is uh, Big Beak and Radio. We've we're talking about the leadership coaching revolution in higher education. And in the next segment, we're going to talk about trust and talk about some of how the coaching ideas and practices may make their way into the educational process itself. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Do you want greater success in bringing change to your university, college, department, or classroom? Are you looking for a keynote speaker to inspire your organization with stories of transformative change? Would you like to boost your own academic, business, or technical career? Let David E. Goldberg of 3Joy Associates help. David is a leading speaker, author, trainer, and leadership coach with experience in helping bring successful change to educational organizations and education and technical careers around the globe. To learn more, call Dave Goldberg at 217-621-2645. Contact him at deg at 3joy.com or browse the 3Joy website, www.3joy.com today. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, for the Money Answers Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Big Beacon Radio. If you'd like to call into the program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to deg at bigbeacon.org. Now, back to this week's show. So welcome back to Big Beacon Radio with Dave Goldberg. And we're talking about the leadership coaching revolution in higher education with three coaches, Bev Jones, Kelly Lewis, and Daryl Nardick. And um, in, in the last segment, we, we ended by talking about trust. And, and Bev raised the point about how great teachers trust. And in the book, A Whole New Engineer, we said that there's, there's an emotional equation there, that, that trust, either self-trust or trust by others, leads a young person to have the courage to try something they don't know how to do, which leads to failure than, than possible success and authentic learning. And that, that that's central. 
and that that's a different notion from the the expertise and telling kind of of learning that 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 dominated the academy. That it's now it's it's now more a DIY project for our students. That we want we really serious about wanting lifelong lifelong learning amongst our students, and 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 that they need to not be passive in their learning from the from from the get go. What uh, what thoughts do people have about that? You know, one of, the, one of the thoughts that jumps to mind for me, Dave, um, is that when I myself as a leader experienced this challenge, one of the things that I had to learn um, in order to trust the people that I was leading, I had to let go. I had to yes. learn how to let go, which was a really hard, like letting go of control, which was a really hard lesson for me to learn and um, one that I learned over and over again. And when I did what I found was it made the room for, for those people to then step in and do exactly what you just said. And it took me from what I would call um, a sage on stage, and it yes. shifted me to being a guide from the side. And so it really required me to um, wholeheartedly kind of change my model of leadership. And, yeah, and letting go is a critical part in that. Yeah, Beautiful. And actually, as I point, we've pointed out in the book, guide on the side, the subject is still is still the teacher. Um, and so we talk about learners with fervor that the subject should be the these young people that are actually the central the 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 central part of this discussion. Anyone else want to chime in on this trust, courage, learning sort of issue? I think one of the things as a leader is the development of empathy. And I, and I think it relates to, directly to trust and knowing people because I think you develop trust um, through knowing someone in, in, and, and, and setting aside your preconceived notions of who they are and what they are, but really understanding what they're coming from, and you can develop it. And so I think empathy particularly is a quality. Um, empathy... not sympathy, but really understanding where someone is coming from so you can bring out the best in them and so that they know that you have their back and you're there to bring out the best in them. And and and, really and I and I I think empathy empathy is a good word, but it, you know sometimes academic life is pretty darn far from empathy. It's like, so it's it's an arena of judgment, and you're judged for everything. You know, and it's it's micro judgment all the way down. You you know every little paper you write gets judged, and people say, well, that's a good journal or a bad journal, and that's a good conference or a bad conference, and and that was a good presentation and a bad presentation. It's sort of like the baby step before empathy is to kind of not be quite so judgmental about every darn thing that passes by your attention. Uh, it, it seems like that's actually, you know, the, 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 you know, I, I, I love uh, Mary Lee uh, Adams' uh, choice map uh, that you're on either a learner path or a judgment path, but you can't be on both. And, uh, and if we're really talking about learning, maybe we've got to dial down the judgment a little bit. Uh, one way to promote an environment where judgment is not so automatic is yeah. to introduce coaching training for uh, for people for maybe young or uh, beginning leaders within university life. In in as you learn to begin to be a coach, you learn to put aside that judging voice in your head and listen um, without prejudice. Yes. And 
if as you learn that style of listening, it's like you have another gear for operations, and it, it feels to me that that could be a transformational technique in university leadership situations. Well, I think I think that's a terrific observation and sort of headed in that direction. So, you know, when I when I was trained at Georgetown, I was I was actually kind of ticked off about it. It's like I was in my fifties, and I'm learning all this great stuff, and it seemed like. Why weren't why why isn't why isn't the noticing, listening, questioning, emphasis on telling yourself great great and empowering stories part of an education from the get go? And it just seemed to me like and and why why does someone have to pay four and five hundred dollars uh, once once they become a CTO or a CMO or a CFO or a CEO um, before they have access to this? this wisdom and so I guess I'm the question I have is um, what ideas and practices of coaching um, are candidates for the transformation of education higher education but other forms of education uh, who'd like to take a shot at this I think there's a there's a couple things and this gets back a little bit to what Beth just said about providing basic coaching and query training there's there's efforts already in terms of um, at many universities in, in offering mentoring programs for, for new faculty. And so those programs could be kind of mentoring coaching programs as well in terms of um, providing skill based around what it means to to ask coaching questions, to be curious and have inquiry. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to let other... I've, I've got some yeah, other who else wants to please. take a um, jump in on this one? Yeah, so I, this is um, to me a question around. There's we've talked today about coaching as a process and really coaching as a career. Given the work that that this group does, I think there's also to Daryl's point, coaching as a competency. And when I think about um, you know competency models in in teaching. Yeah. And there's a directive style of teaching. There's a facilitative style of teaching. Lots of teachers know, you know, the Socrates method. And helping people just appreciate it's something that they already do. Um, and many of the teachers that I've had the opportunity to work for, it's what brought them into teaching was a love for learning. And so I think there's also a reconnection, helping them reconnect to what brought them, why they started doing what they're doing in the first place. And also an appreciation of how can they use coaching as a competency in the system that they're currently in today with, you know, yep. the pressure and the standards and the way that education has also changed. That, I think, feels <clears throat> in conflict for many educators. And it's, it's how do you help them resolve that conflict so that they can both appreciate what the system's requesting and also um, connect to their passion and love for learning that I think Great. then coaching Thank. becomes a natural um, outcome of that. Great. Um, so we're going we're gonna to need to wrap this up. And so fairly quickly, um, if people want to get in touch with you individually as coaches, uh, can just give a quick email address or website where they can learn more. Bev? Mine is clearwaysconsulting.com. Uh, Kelly? Yeah, you can contact me at klewis, L-E-W-I-S, at tllgroup.com. And Daryl? Uh, you can contact me at Daryl Nardick, D-A-R-Y-L-N-A-R-D-I-C-K, at gmail.com. 
Great. And I want to thank all three of you for joining us. It was a live, there's certainly more to say on the subject. It's a great and deep subject, but I think we touched on some really uh, important points, uh, especially around the trust issue, really uh, got my juices flowing. You've been listening to Big Beacon Radio, Transforming Higher Education with Dave Goldberg. Special thanks to our our expert coaching panel, Bev Jones, Kelly Lewis, and Daryl Nardick. Uh, help transform higher education and learn more at www.bigbeacon.org. Uh, uh, join us. Uh, uh, join us next week, uh, same same time and same channel as we continue our quest to transform higher education. Thank you for tuning into Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education. Please join Dave Goldberg soon for another edition. Listen every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. For additional information about our programs or to find out about the next show, please visit bigbeacon.org. We'll talk again very soon.